As Christians, since our authority is God, should we pay taxes? No. Yeah, he's Junior's a bit of a libertarian, and uh, I think he I think he pays him because there's a gun to his head. But <laughs> I honestly think that taxation is something that uh, has been around us ever since there's been civilization, and you have it in the Bible. So I think there's a good aspect to taxes. I I would agree that they're too high here in America. But you know what? That's not what we're here for. But should we pay them? If if they're unjust. And if we're being required to pay taxes that are going for bad things or things we disagree with, should we pay those taxes? Okay. We're going to find out in a little bit. We'll let Jesus answer that, not Junior. Yep. Luke 20. (laughs) Luke 20, verse verse 1. Why don't you start reading? Yeah, it says one one day as Jesus. Well, we didn't say who we are. So people are wondering, what are we listening to? This is two dudes in a canoe. I I know. This is (laughs) between the lines. I'm Junior. And we just found out that there's actually a cigar called Between the Lines. I'm going to check yeah. that out. That would be kind of fun for a, like a full week. Just have cigars while you record the podcast. <laughs> Some won't even listen to it then. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, yeah, yes. You, you said you're a junior. I'm Scott. Yep. Go ahead. Right. One day as Jesus was teaching the people and preaching the good news in the temple, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders came to him. They demanded, by what authority are you doing all these things? Who gave you the right? Let me ask you a question first, he replied. Did Jesus or did John's authority to baptize come from heaven? Or was it merely human? <laughs> Great question. Yeah. They talked no, to amongst themselves. If we say it was from heaven, he will ask, Why don't we believe John? But if we say he was merely human, the people will stone us because they are convinced John was a prophet. So they finally replied that they don't know. And Jesus responded, Then I won't tell you by what authority I do these things. Now Jesus turned to the people again and told them this story. A man planted a vineyard, leased it to tenant farmers, and moved to another country to live for several years. At the time of the grape harvest, he sent one of his servants to collect his share of the crop. But the farmers attacked the servant, beat him up, and sent him back empty-handed. So the owner sent another servant. But but, ah, But they also insulted him, beat him up, and sent him away empty-handed. A third man was sent, and they wounded him and chased him away. What will I do? The owner asked himself. I know, I'll send my cherished son. Surely they will respect him. When the tenant farmer saw his son, they said to each other, Here comes the heir to the estate. Let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. So they dragged him out of the vineyard and murdered him. What do you suppose the owner of the vineyard will do to them? Jesus asked. I tell you, he will come and kill those farmers and lease the vineyard to others. How terrible that such a thing should ever happen, his listeners protested. Jesus replied at them and said, then, that, then what does this scripture mean? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. You might get lost in that story, but Jesus was talking about how the Israelites had treated the prophets, which, you know, by this time in the first century, they lifted up the prophets as though they were all heroes, but yet it was their forefathers that had persecuted and killed the prophets. Yeah. And so the servants that this landowner had been sending in. That's He was talking about the prophets. And now the son, which was Jesus himself, in his coming, that they're going to do this with him. They're going to persecute and kill him. Yeah. And so he's pointing out that you're going to have to stand before God. You're going to give, have to answer for this, and he's not going to take it too kindly what you're doing. I also do love that he quotes the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. It is interesting. I believe that Jesus was crucified in a rock quarry. It's kind of like mm-hmm. a big a big belief in Jerusalem, yeah. actually. And the rock quarry in Jerusalem was used for the temple, um, Solomon's temple. Mm-hmm. 
And so you just think of like the iron. Which is actually here. Herod's temple. Or Herod's temple. At that point, yeah, it was the uh, second, uh, second temple. It was the second temple? Okay. Yeah. But it is ironic that you have Jesus being crucified. He was rejected by Jerusalem, being crucified in the very rock quarry that the temple, the temple was, built. was yeah. built from. And yet he was rejected. But and it says he's become, become the cornerstone, a cornerstone. Yep. of our worship. That's right. You want to take it at verse 19? Yeah. The teachers of religious law and the leading priests wanted to arrest Jesus immediately because they realized he was telling the story against them. They were the wicked farmers, but they were afraid of the people's reaction. Watching for their opportunity, the leaders sent spies pretending to be honest men. They tried to get Jesus to say something they, that could be reported to the Roman governor so that he would arrest Jesus. Teacher, they said, we know that you speak and teach what is right and are not influenced by what others think. You're talking about buttering them up, man, oh, man. You teach the way of God truthfully. Well, they didn't believe that. Now tell us, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? He saw through their trickery and said, show me a Roman coin. Whose picture and title are stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied, which is kind of funny here because they were so anti-Roman. And yet, what are they using for, for money? Yeah, right. <laughs> using Roman, yeah. Roman money. And Caesar's, they replied. Well, then, he said. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. Beautiful answer there because you have Caesar's image being stamped on the coin. But if you go back to Genesis, God says that we are made in the likeness of God. Mm -hmm. And so we have God stamped on us. And so Jesus says, okay, give the stupid coin to Caesar, but give yourselves to God. Yeah. And in a, in a sense, I think after this, they were glad to pay their taxes as well, just in, on that side of it. Because all of their money was Rome's. <laughs> and they were only being required to pay a percentage of their money for taxes. So yeah. they were bucking the taxes thing. And he's saying, give to, you know, it belongs to Rome. Give it all to Rome. Um, but, yes, I, I would totally agree with you. I think the real key there is our, the problem that they're having is they weren't giving to God what belongs to God. That yeah. was the real problem. Yeah. So verse 26 is where we close. So they failed to trap him by what they said in front of the people. Instead, they were amazed by his answer, and they became silent. Yeah. Well, back at Ecclesiastes, again, interesting yep. book. Yep. And so, um, and, and again, we hope that you read this on your own, but we want to highlight verse 1. We'll just kind of get you started, and then you read through verse you know, 26. But verse 1, it says, I said to myself, this is Solomon speaking, this is a man with a thousand concubines, a, made, a massive palace, treasure and, and wealth beyond our imagine, imagination. He said, I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this too was meaningless. I think that's a lot of people's stories. Yeah. And you see that. You, um, he, he tried to... Uh, tried to just pour himself into giving whatever he had. He had all these wives and concubines and and had all this wealth, and it, that didn't satisfy. And then, it, and then later on, it talks about how he built all these homes for himself and had beautiful vineyards, and that didn't satisfy. And he had great sums of silver and gold that didn't satisfy. And then he, he, had, he tried to just pour himself into work and accomplishing all kinds of things. And that didn't satisfy. Verse 18, it says, I'm disgusted that I must leave the fruits of my hard work to others. Hmm. So we're seeing this journey as he's, he's reiterating this because later on, Solomon, at the end of his life, he comes back to God. Yeah. He's going on this journey that after he had left God, trying to find something that would make his life meaningful, and he's not finding anything. And we know that. We, we know that. 
There's nothing in this world that is worth living for other than our creator. And that satisfaction comes through Jesus. So today, I think it's just a great question to ask yourself. That is, what are you looking for for satisfaction other than your God in heaven? What else is it? Are you putting far too much of your identity in your career, far too much identity in your children, uh, maybe in a relationship? But what is getting your attention and your affection? Because that will spiral you into this state that Solomon finds himself in. It's just all meaningless. Well, make it a great Friday today. Stay in Scripture. Hope to see you in church this weekend. Be a good weekend. Yeah, you say that every time, though. Are we really going to say it's a bad weekend? Yeah, we got an okay sermon. <laughs> you know, well, weekends for me up. aren't really weekends. I, you know, <laughs> my weekend is more Monday than anything. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but I know everybody else it's sort of the same weekend. That's right. So uh, this weekend I've gone, I'm off. So there we go. Well, actually, you're headed to Norway. Oh uh, yeah. Yep. On Monday. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, have a good one. We'll see you on Monday. Bye.